Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of My First Sketch. I'm Josh Hyam. You can find the show wherever Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, maybe Spotify. I don't use Spotify. I'm not entirely sure. Let me know if it's there. It'd be really cool if you rate it five stars or leave a review wherever you get the podcast. You can like the podcast on Facebook, facebook.com slash myfirstsketch. Follow me on Twitter at myfirstsketch. Head to myfirstsketch.com. Uh, especially this week, as I'm going to Toronto Sketchfest, I'll be posting some things from up there. Any questions, thoughts, recommendations, feel free to email me at josh at myfirstsketch.com, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. You've got a little bit more than a week left to submit your live act to Philly Sketchfest 2020. Check out phillysketchfest.com for more information. Everything you need to know is there. But today's guest is Erica Gellert, currently a member of Low Rise Queens and the Skechersons. If you're heading to Toronto Sketchfest, you'll be able to see Erica a number of times. Low Rise Queens will be performing on both Thursday, March 5th and 12th at Comedy Bar, and Erica will be performing her solo act on Friday, March 6th and Wednesday, March 11th. In addition, Sunday Night Live with the Skechersons will be happening as it normally does at Comedy Bar on Sunday nights. Erica's first sketch is called Douchebag. Erica reads the roles of Susanna, the mother of the bully. Finn, who is the bully himself, and Nate, the parent of a bullied child. I read the roles of Henry, the father of Finn, Gary, the intervening teacher, and Curtis, another parent of a bullied child. So let's go to the sketch. Nate, Kurt, and Gary are sitting in chairs around a circle. Susan and Henry are standing to stage left. My name is Susanna Frost. This is my husband, Henry. And by now, all of you heard that our son, Finn Frost, um, you are the parents of the kids. Uh, our son is bullying. Thanks for letting us run out this the gym, Gary. A classroom would have been fine, but an entire auditorium was good, too. Yeah, I tried to book the library this time of day. There's a perfect lighting through the windows, but it's already being used. Thanks, Gary. Okay, that's great. All right. Anyway, this is really important for us to get off our chest. Okay, now let us be the first to tell you, we know Finn is a bully. There's only so much we could do. I mean, when your 11-year-old son has EODS. Early onset douchebag syndrome, which is a real disease. You got to take it one step at a time. Finn enters angrily. Mom, Dad, did I say you could take time out and drive me around and talk to these fuckos? Hey, hon, uh, we told you to wait in the car. Finn runs off stage. Uh, hi, I'm Finn's math teacher. You may know me as Gary. Every day he calls me a pussy. It's been so long, I'm starting to believe him. We know, Gary. Okay, we'll get to you when we get to you. Sorry, sorry, sorry. You're mostly apologizing for the kids who Finn has given a hard time to. Nate and Curtis, the two parents of the bully child, speak up. Our daughter, Tina, has come home with quite the horror stories about Finn. Horror stories? That's putting it a little lightly, don't you think, babe? Well, what would you rather me say? Hey, Mr. and Mrs. Frost, your shit son told our daughter to get breast implants because it would even her fat ass. Susanna interjects. Oh, I hope she considers, okay, because Finn told me that years ago, and honestly, that is the only thing I'm grateful about when it comes to my son. I remember when Finn took his first five steps and looked at me straight in the eyes and said, I've already accomplished more than you. Since the accident, I haven't been able to take more than five steps without collapsing to the ground in agony. 
Pointing out other people's weaknesses is a common symptom of EODS. Finn enters again. Mom! Dad! Have you seen my Apple Watch? Oh, you don't have an Apple Watch, honey. Exactly! Fix that! We'll get one on the way home. He is so sick. I blame myself. Henry, no! Come on, Susanna. I'm just taking responsibility. Look at my dad. He played varsity water polo. My dad's dad? Even worse, he played regular polo. The one with horses. There were the douchiest douchebags of their time. Okay, well, when you put it that way, it it looks pretty bad. But some of this is on me, too. How could you say that? I chose the name Finn. His name is Finn Frost, for shit's sake. I might as well have named him Brady or Skyler. And I bought him his first gold chain. Nate, one of the other parents, speaks up. What did you think was going to happen after an 11-year-old jerk started wearing a gold chain? Oh, did you think he was going to be a Boy Scout? Babe, please! Boy Scouts don't wear gold chains. They wear badges of honor. Okay, so we made a few mistakes here. We are partly to blame, but you know what is mostly to blame? Our son's incurable illness. I just feel bad for all the children to grow up with our asshole kid. Finn enters again. Are you done complaining to these babies? Because I got an Instagram selfie shoot with Tina, the seventh grade slut. Uh-oh, those are her dads. Sup? Susanna Finn covers Finn mouth and begins to rush off. Normal families like you have no idea what parenting a bully is like. Or worse, a douchebag. Hold your kid back a grade. Transfer schools. There are so many options for you. Gary, the teacher, speaks up again. Those don't apply to me. Uh, the family rushes off stage. Shit. What? I wanted to get the number of whoever did her breasts. They look so natural. We gotta plan ahead for Tina. It's 477-5436, extension 2. Tell him Gary says hello. Nate and Kurt awkwardly stare at each other as we black out. Hey, Erica. So uh, tell me about where the sketch comes from. This sketch uh, comes from, yeah, just like me thinking of that kid that everybody knows uh, or gets to know at one point in their life where they're like, you're an asshole. Like you're, you know, four or five years old. And I, I know that. And I know that it's wrong to, you know, think that you're a douchebag, but you are. You straight up are. You're rude. You're spoiled. And we, uh, everyone has a problem with you. So then I was just like, well, let's, uh, let's see what these parents, like the comedy behind like a, a parent teacher me- style meeting um, between parents, a teacher who this son that's like, you know, trying to be innocent and all this. Uh, let's see what that looks like when they're, you know, talking about how he bullies them every day. Mm. And yeah, I just, I, I, I don't know, like these characters are obviously trying to defend their assholes. We also know those people. I think that's very relatable for the parents to try and like be in denial and think that there's nothing wrong with their golden child. It's fine. It's them. It's all in their head. But uh, having the child walk in and like also was my friend Connor, who was a full adult man at the time mm. <laughs> coming in as this child, um, demanding things, making crazy demands. So I thought that just was a funny stage picture. And then, yeah, I went through a couple drafts. Uh, yeah, again, I was writing this in school just for a little writing exercise. So it went through the ringer a couple of times. Uh, five pages did not have to be five pages, but uh, I guess I thought it had to be had to be said in five. 
um, at the time. <laughs> Definitely dragged it out. There was like probably like five different blow lines I could have chose throughout the sketch, but no, kept going because it was um, that good of a premise to a little old me. For one, it's always like encouraging to me when people like bring their first sketch on and immediately like one of their first songs is like, yep, didn't need to be this long. I was like, yep. It like because I've I've become a huge fan of like shorter, quicker. Oh, that's exactly. I don't write anything beyond three pages now. Like, and if it does go by three, like it's uh, because there's tech requirements or you know a little bit more action detail, and the blow line is still on the fourth page. But yeah, I've definitely uh, put myself through sketch comedy boot camp in the last six years since starting. Yeah, one of my uh, rules for the length of sketch is the number of characters, and you have six characters, so like. Going to five isn't awful. Yeah. Because like if it was just two characters talking back and forth to each other for five minutes, I mean, for five pages. That's simply too much. That's a, a literal nightmare to me. Like, a lot of talking heads. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, and we all know this kid. Like, Yes, definitely. Everyone can picture like, one in their life. I could probably name two or three in my life in, in you know, over the last 10 years. I could definitely list like 30 of them by now. The whole like, and even trying to make sure my nephews don't grow up to be douchebags. And like, <laughs> I know it's such, it's such a, a present thing in your mind. When you have a kid or you're around a kid, you're like, Oh, please, please grow out of this, whatever this stage is. Like, yeah, just like, <laughs> I don't think I've ever really had to be like the uncle be like, dude, you're being gross. Like, ugh. <laughs> Like I, I, I'll totally admit I don't understand anything they're doing. Yeah, as late teenagers or like no, they're like point of references for movies and TV for the most part. Like I'm already so like so much older than they are, even though yeah, of course, like, but yeah, just yeah. Oh, don't be gross. Yeah, don't be gross. Don't be yeah. Like there's a lot of attitude that starts coming through around that school age, like that six, seven years old mark. So you, I, I crack down immediately. Like I, I'm a kindergarten, <laughs> kindergarten teacher, and uh, even at kindergarten age, I'm like, nope, this is where it stops. Whatever, <laughs> whatever you're gonna try with, like, oh, there's some boys that are like, girls can't play this game, whatever, and I'm like, nope. We're not even going to entertain the idea that that's okay, even if you are four. We're changing that right now. Yeah, I think the worst I've ever had to do with uh, – I got season tickets for the, the soccer team down here in Philadelphia, and there's a kid that sits in front of me that annoys me to no end. And he, like, like you know, that very whiny, like, oh, can we get this? And I've always joked that, like, he has all my nephew's worst attributes times 10. <laughs> so I've said to, to my nephew, I was like, hey, don't be this kid. Like, yeah, don't – don't be the guy that the that the stranger behind you is making fun of. Like exactly, exactly. Don't be that guy. Uh, so, what is your earliest memory of comedy? Like, what were you growing up on? Um, definitely Mad TV. Sort of anything that was like Comedy Central. Like after school, my my sister would put on um, the Comedy Network. Uh, it was Canada's uh, main main outlet. Mm-hmm. And um, but Mad TV was on Much Music, and so. When I obviously Saturday Night Live was present in my household, like my dad is a 70s kid. So like he absolutely brought up Saturday Night Live quite a bit growing up. Um, But when I was exposed to actual kind of raw, gritty (laughs) uh, sketch comedy um, with Totally Mad TV and The Amanda Show, actually, I'm I'm quite young. I'm I'm only little. So no, Amanda Show comes up a lot. Like Amanda Show probably does come up a lot, I bet, Um, especially with the new wave of sketch um, artists. Um, but yeah, so that's definitely my first sort of... Which 
era of Mad TV are we talking about, though? Like, so like, what were the cast members? Um, Ken Peel, like, okay. in there. Um, uh, Penny, Stephanie Weir, I think her name is Stephanie. Weir. Yeah, she like She's wild. I fucking love her. I wish she was on on camera more. Oh my gosh, she was on. Like, I was just watching this like um show on Netflix because I was so bored. I just clicked on any. It was, and you know what? It's not even that bad. Like, it's been around for a while. It's not that. Bad. It's called Life in Pieces with like Colin Hanks. Yeah, yeah. Hanks, Zoe, like what's her face? Anyways, um. Yeah, Stephanie Weir pops up as a little cam, like as a little side character, and I was like, "Yes, book this weirdo more." I I want to say she's like a showrunner of something, like like she's gainfully employed. Yeah, yeah, she but not on camera. Like, let's see, I'm on her IMDb page. Now. <laughs> oh, she's not. Yeah, crazy ex girlfriend for a bit. Goldberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy friend. Yeah, definitely a lot of side side sort of stuff. Um, like, because yeah, her, her that uh, the kid character that she did the the dot. Oh yeah. With the one glove, like, yeah, you know, it's just one of those like weirdo, like weirdo characters. That's just so fun. Oh my gosh, she was unreal. She's definitely inspired a lot of where I go from when I think of character acting and character shit. Um, Ron Peterson. Ron Peterson is actually a friend of mine. He was on the cast when I was watching a lot of Matt TV too. Yeah, he's one of those weirdo Canadians that showed up. I know, on the, and he's so <laughs> on Matt TV, like in the community. Like he's yeah, he came out, hosted Sunday Night Live, the show that I do in Toronto here. Um, every Sunday and uh, yeah he's a great guy he's really funny but yeah no basically he's just like his whole bit is like how bitter he is about <laughs> mad tv and oh no well no it's it, it is all lighthearted. it is all it is a bit like it, it's it's totally a, a like a, a like elbow and rib sort of joke but uh but yeah no we love to tease him about it but he was uh yeah that Abercrombie and Fitch sketch rest in <laughs> it was amazing but yeah that was definitely what uh what kind of I don't know that I, I grew up around. That was my exposure to every. Oh, and like not sketch comedy. This was just yeah, again Canadian comedy. Just like go for it. I, and if it's Canadian, I'm going to ask about Canadian comedy anyway. So let's yeah. go for it. Um, I, and I've learned like from moving to Toronto, I've actually kind of met a couple of these people now. Um, over the years, and they're just idols to me. But um, there was a show called Video on Trial where they. Oh, I don't know that. What? Oh my gosh, it's it doesn't hold up. There's a lot of shit that was said that does not stay stand today. But um, what the premise of the show was is they would play music videos, past, present, whatever. They would have like about 10 music videos and they would be on trial. And these stand-up comedians would go in a little black box and rip it apart and just roast these music videos. Okay. And then rate it at the end. Oh, my gosh. It was like that was what job I wanted. I wanted that as a job when I was a kid. Like I was like in like grade six or seven being like, I don't really know about going to school, but I really want to be on video on trial. (laughs) like it was definitely yeah it's something that we just thought was so funny me and my sister growing up and uh yeah now those comedians are totally just around doing the same shows i am today (laughs) which is wild yeah it's weird to think that like you know i can i guess i consider like toronto like one of the major hubs of like filming in canada like i know a lot of stuff goes to vancouver too but like the fact that a lot of the people that show up on tv in canada are going to be based in toronto so there's yeah there, so, and I always ask, um, uh, because there is, you know, a Canadian pop culture versus American pop culture. Yes. You know, and we get some trickle down of some of your like, uh, Canadian stuff, like, and we always, especially like we take some of your stuff and fully just say it's ours too. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and like, and I guess with the advent of like Netflix and Hulu, um, 
there's a lot of stuff that's coming down. There's a lot more coming down. Like Shit's Creek is a is like a, a cult hit in here. Fantastic, yeah. Um, Catherine O'Hara is absolutely just ugh. She's she is a patron saint. Like she should be on Canadian money, in my opinion. It feels like the queen. Oh my god. Her hairstylist, um, I say the story all the time. Her hairstylist on Skits, uh, Skits, uh, Shits Creek um, did my hair once for a, a, a gig I booked. And her hairstylist was like telling me all these like outlandish like wig stories of Catherine O'Hara and whatever. And I was just like, oh, your hands have touched the <laughs> I'm just like blacked out in heaven for a minute. You're one degree away from Catherine O'Hara <laughs> where hair wise. Yeah, no, honestly, I started following like the art and whatever on uh, on Instagram. And she like posts like some shit of like, uh, yeah, like Catherine O'Hara when they're on set and whatever. And I'm like, we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> And with other things of a Canadian, you know, like Baroness von Sketch is like oh. like creeping its way down. I think we're expecting tall boys at some point. Is there some piece of Canadian pop culture that Americans should seek out that's like under the radar? Totally, totally. We have a lot of great shit going on here. I think in the last like two years, um, comedy and sketch comedy primarily has had a second like coming. Like it was, it, you know, people kind of were focusing a lot on stand-up. It was like a huge scene um, for stand-up and, and festivals that mattered were the ones that were like more stand-up geared. And now with television and like web series and everything like that, that's, you know, back in the works here. We have a lot of talented people here and it's finally kind of <laughs> becoming known <laughs> that that that's true, uh, especially with sketch and variety comedy. Hmm. Yeah. Like anything specifically that you would like shout out? Oh, well, absolutely. My, my buddies at tall boys, like those guys, they work their asses off and they're so like, they had so much going for them. Like when they're first, they started doing sketch, like, and, and just only two years of them just doing sketch. They, they got deals made and they made this amazing thing called tall boys, uh, bareness. Uh, like uh, these are just things that are kind of, again, like coming down the pipe to you guys anyways. So but, uh, but yeah, there's, yeah, we have the Beaverton. Um, the Beaverton was great for a while. Like we, I don't, I don't know if I can say it. I don't know if it's like allowed to be on the air yet, but they're done. Like they, they just got canceled. So like oh, maybe we don't. Was that, was that a show or a website? <laughs> it was, a, it was a show. The website's still running, but okay. they did have a, like it was on Crave, I think um for uh, maybe they did two seasons it was a news like a parody news show the satirical website was where it started and it's still a thing um but the show is has been deceased <laughs> um it, it's a thing because like we have the onion down here and the onion had a tv show and the onion was infinite like the tv show was infinitely different than the website was yeah, it felt yeah, to me oh, like, yeah. but yeah it, the website's still a thing cbc comedy's gone now so like i don't even know what's going like well they have the just a different design honestly i don't know <laughs> i should know <laughs> more about it because like it just is ever changing um there, yeah there is cbc comedy website yeah 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 but it's <laughs> like it's all just um yeah, like they're oh, this hour is twenty two minutes, writers and like people like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. I'm, <laughs> Sometimes I'll check into it just because I'm like, oh, I should, I should start like hustling and writing article, like you know, like sort of essay style comedy again. And I'm like, no, I, I would rather do sketch. <laughs> I, I was so annoyed because uh, I'm in the in like my history of doing sketch comedy and like thinking about doing like those article based comedy bits. Yeah. I've had multiple sketch ideas, like co-thought of by someone across the country for the Onion. Like, yeah, oh, their headlines alone. Their headlines are 
like a reductress fucking like oh my god some of the headlines you see that's all you want to read like the body of it is is great they obviously worked really hard on the piece but sometimes the headline that grabs you and makes you laugh is just like oh that's it that's that's enough for me i think it was like as recently as last week they posted something i was like oh come on that was on my notebook like Uh, you got it out first ah like yeah well exactly and like i had a stand up like teacher back in the day who said once he's just like you can make the same joke as someone everyone says like the same material or same topic at one point or another just make your joke better than theirs right (laughs) uh you mentioned that your dad was an snl person from growing up in the 70s do you have a favorite snl cast member my favorite snl cast member oh gilda radner hands down Let's talk Gilda. Why? Why Gilda? Why Gilda? Oh my gosh. Gilda, well, first of all, one of the first uh, ladies on Saturday Night Live and one of the first cast members. And yep. um, I just like, but like Jane Curtin and like all those other, like they obviously deserve to be on the show just as much. But Gilda just did something different with her time on SNL, which was just, she was goofy. Like she was, like, I think her comedic voice was just a little bit more relaxed and looser than than you know a, a couple other women going up in that time and, and that comedy like it, it was just and obviously rightfully so like I, I would be fucking like tense all the time around those those uh, writers rooms and everything like that it would be it would be hard but I think it, it really shows that she didn't let that like affect her um career and uh I, I watched like a special of hers animal something about animals i don't know like animals having sex or whatever i watched it just for a little research um and it was like a musical sort of style sketch ish solo um show that she did and it was insane it was so funny though and like and crude and wild and it's just like in that time and everything i was like oh my god like she's someone who just has an idea and runs with it so hard um, and yeah, and she's obviously, you know, like famous and, and well-known for a lot of good deeds. We have Gilda's Club at Second City, everything like that. Mm-hmm. She's, she's, you know, she's a staple in the sketch scene and Second City and, and everything like that. Um, so she definitely comes to mind. But yeah, Saturday Night Live, I mean, how can she not go back and lo- fall in love with like, you know, Kristen Wiig and uh, John Belushi, obviously, and the Blues Brothers in general. Holy shit, they're wild. Um, yeah. I think... I think when you, especially when you think about the the three women that that started SNL like in the cast with um Jane Curtin, Gilda and Lorraine Newman. Yeah. They each become prototypes. Yeah. of female comedy. Really, they really do, yeah. Like Jane Curtin is very buttoned up, you know, mm-hmm. like very like her character most of the time is very like prim and proper. Yeah. to subvert those ideas. Lorraine Newman is just a ball of voices and new characters over and over and over again. And Gilda is that ball of energy, that craziness, that like the presence alone. Yeah. 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 And you can kind of see like that pattern, that formula throughout like the history of the show and even spreading out through comedy, like universal, like not just on SNL itself. Like they're, they're great. They're great. Gilda's great. They're universally beloved. Yeah, no, they're they definitely yeah they they stand out to me a lot. I mean, yeah, and then I I get compared to a lot of the time, which I think is a huge compliment because I I I love this person, um, Will Ferrell. 
<laughs> famous. Like he's, he's one of the people that walked away from Saturday Night Live and really and really did something with it, you know, because you see a lot of people that come in and come out of that uh, of that like, you know, show. And sometimes you never hear of them again. But uh, Will Ferrell, definitely. Uh, but his style of comedy to me, I think he is so successful for his, you know, frat boy comedies, for sure. Like that definitely put him on the map with, you know, Anchorman and friggin' all the goofy ass like shit, uh, Step Brothers, you know what I mean? Like the, mm-hmm. um, the O'Reilly team there. But I think his style, like he would, and like just him talking about him auditioning for, like for Saturday Night Live and his kind of, like he took it so seriously, was so nervous, absolutely loved it. Like, and that show, like when people are nervous and scared that they're gonna fail at something that they care about so much, such as comedy, it, it makes them work so much harder. <laughs> yeah, and, absolutely. And, and you can tell they're passionate. They're passionate. They love it. It's not just a, it's not just a like, oh, I got famous sort of job. Like I can, I can quit now. I can like wait for the gigs to roll in now. Like he, you know, and his style is just so off the wall and he deserves, he deserves to, you know, do the campy sort of the whatever Hollywood wants him to do now. Like he, he, I don't care. Like, Oh, sell out the little Sherlock Holmes parody. I don't give a shit. Like he did, <laughs> he did a lot. Okay. He did a lot. <laughs> he's one of the, he's one of those actors, those performers, you know, or even creative types in general were like, yeah, he might do something crappy. That's not into my, you know, yeah, wheelhouse, not, but exactly. when he does, it's going to be perfect. Yeah. Like he can do Holmes and Watson all he wants. Yeah. But for whatever reason, his like interviews on like oh, yeah. you know chat shows and stuff well, are always going to be perfect. Yeah. No, he's. Uh, I would just. I would love to like have a drink with him one day and just like pick his brain. Oh, hello. There's a fire. <laughs> <laughs> I live next to a fire station too. So oh, jeez. Yeah. Well, it's down the street. It's not right now. That's still close enough. That... Close enough that they're le- when they pull out, they're right in my face. <laughs> but. Uh, and you also talked, I mean, we talked about like being a mad TV person yeah. on much music. Uh, do you have a favorite mad TV performer? Well, we talked about Stephanie Weir. Uh, I love mm. Joe Collins. Um, she's, you know, facial expression, like just genius. I, I think that's where I definitely draw from a lot of the time because it's, it's doing a character and saying a joke, but also pairing it with like how your eyes look and how you tilt your head like that also can pack a punch too. And uh, Mo Collins was always very good at that. Um, her her Lorraine character, yeah, is easily one of my favorite things from that show. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and she's one of those people that like, why isn't she everywhere in sitcoms? I know, and like, oh, it's Bobby Lee. Obviously, Bobby Lee was just one of those wild, wild people. So what's they? But they won. What's what's the first like? Like, what's your first push to getting on stage? Like, did you perform as a kid? Did you? Yeah, what was it? I think, well, I say this, uh, this totally had an impact for the rest of my life. I one time when I was in grade six, I was always like the kind of class clown and definitely like, you know, in my family had a couple of one liners that really made the rounds throughout the family like, oh, Erica said this and I was kind of like riding on that high for my whole childhood. And then um, in grade six, I ran for student council like I, I did like I ran for like the secretary position. And my, like when it came to the speech and the assembly, I basically did stand up. I like wrote an entire routine. I did, I had all these jokes and I, I got the position based on that, which was stupid because I didn't care about the secretary position at all. But, um, that's 
that's definitely the first sort of um, memory of me being like, oh, I'm I'm good at this. I really like how that felt. And I could I could easily do this more. Um, I grew up in Thunder Bay, so there's not <laughs> there's no sketch or improv scene really there. There's a theater. Mm. There's a, there's Magnus Theater. There's a couple of theater camps that I definitely participated in um, when I was growing up, but it was never enough. Like they, I just I kept on kind of still getting like unenthused by that structure because it it just wasn't comedy geared enough for me. Um, and then I took a drama in high school where we, whenever we had the subject of improv come around, I was just, oh, I was the first one to volunteer. I was the first person to like absolutely uh, take over, you know, and, uh, and so, yeah, I, that's kind of where I definitely got the bug. And then, um, and then I basically moved to Toronto and started doing comedy right away because um, I was pursuing it for school. And so when you moved to Toronto and go right to Humber? Yeah, I went or- right to Humber. Moved here all alone, no friends, no nothing. So many hours away from home. And so tell me, so tell me about Humber because, like, the idea of of a, a college of a school offering like a comedy program like that is really interesting to me. Oh yeah, it's totally interesting and 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 not not a school. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, <laughs> it was very interesting because I did actually I I did one of those career match type sites like when I was in like careers class or whatever they they do that whole quick questionnaire thing and they match you with a job. Well, I did that for a university or college and the university and college they matched me to like the number one thing was this Humber comedy program. And so that's how I even discovered that it existed at all. Like I always had plans to move to Toronto to do like the Ryerson broadcasting program or something communications based, whatever. But then this comedy writing program came up and I was like, Oh, that's exactly what I want to do. Perfect. Let's throw all the money there and uh and go for it so yeah humber was an interesting time it is like it's still going today there's still a lot of people that are like that i've met that are currently in the program and it's changed for the better i find like there's a lot of people that are saying uh the design of it is very um i don't know very much in a different place than it was when i went there and uh, the professors that maybe needed a, a couple of HR training courses. Oh no. Yeah. They've, they've definitely shaken off a lot of, uh, a lot of things that made that program a little bit of a bad rep. They, they definitely cut that, cut that, uh, that out. And so, yeah, but my time there, I definitely made the best of it. Um, I, I'm grateful for the program existing because it does give you an immediate access to a stage. Like, because you're a Humber student. Like we had the opportunity to get on a comedy bar stage well before we deserved to be on a comedy bar stage, but it was just a connection. And same with Second City Main Stage and um, Yuck Yucks. Like there was a direct pathway to being well known in those institutions just because of going to Humber. So as long as you you uh, had the the hustle, and as long as you did all the work, you can do a lot with that. Like you you definitely made yourself you know a a nice little career choice but if you're just waiting for Humber to give you handouts and like wait for them to stroke your ego that's where you're going wrong but uh but yeah that's that was basically it it was kind of you know still very male dominated there was a lot of um yeah favors given to the to the guys that were at the program I'm sure maybe Meg talked about that too because I know Meg and I have very similar experiences Meg was a little bit more 
direct about her, her mm. um, you know, the things that kind of like made her question like, well, that's not okay. Um, when she was there, she, uh, she's a couple years older than me. I was like a doe eyed, you know, kind of Bambi <laughs> character. And, um, and so definitely I just like accepted that that was how things were. Uh, and so, yeah, but again, things have changed. And again, it wasn't so bad that it was just like, Oh, I, I wish I can, I never went there. Like, I'm glad I went there. I, I'm one of those lucky teenagers that gets to say I went to college for the thing I want to do for the rest of my life right away. Right. Yeah. And it sounds like it's something that like, I mean, one of, it sounds like one of those ideas where the education may not be as important as the connections and oh, like the people that you meet totally and the, involved yeah. like exactly the connections you make and the relationships and you know sort of that uh that's that's huge and i'm i'm very grateful that i started when i started cuz now i get to be where i'm at today which is exactly where i want to be at with comedy and sketch and everything and and so yeah i definitely you know hit the ground running so then uh, the sketch that you gave me, you mentioned, was for a team called All Day Soup, right? <laughs> yeah. So how does All Day Soup get together? We were all at Hummer together. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was me and four guys and another um, lady named Shaughnessy. Um, I think they've changed their pronouns now. They they go to, they, they don't live in Toronto anymore, but. Mm. anyways um at the time it was just the five of us anyways uh yeah all day soup um was yeah it was we had two hot shows we stayed together for a whole um i don't know two months maybe <laughs> very nice yeah made it through two spots on uh, on different sketch shows in the city and then we went our separate ways uh, a lot of the guys wanted to focus more on stand-up and I was so bummed out because sketch was my bread and butter. I wanted to keep mm. the sketch, but I didn't understand that you could do solo sketch at the time. Like a solo sketch to me just didn't exist or, or I just couldn't understand that I could possibly do that. So I definitely waited a long time before like, and waited for a troop again, um, which I did. I found another one. Which was? Uh, it was called Tonight Tonight. And okay. it was in 2015. So I was going to Toronto film school at this time and I was hungry, hungry for sketch. I was kind of just out of, I was just doing stand up when I could and still not getting a lot out of, um, you know, the, the comedy scene that I wanted to, you know, sink my teeth more into. And so there was an audition notice for this sketch troupe. Uh, I went to their show, talked to the head writer and um, they just had me come in and write with them the following week. And then pretty much after that, I was just like absorbed into the troupe and the head writer, his name is Tom Hearn. And, uh, you may, might've seen him, uh, his name all over Sketchfest and stuff. Um, but yeah, he became my writing partner. We became a duo. We left that troupe, that eight person troupe, just me and him. He's like my, yeah, my comedy husband. Um, even though he has his own husband in real life, <laughs> he's also mine. Um, yeah, we started a lot together. So we started really hunkering down, like became this duo. Tom and Erica was the name. And we went hard and we got Skechersons together. We got Sunday Night Live together. And now this is the first year in like four years that we are doing the festival as solo artists. And uh, But yeah, we still do so much collaboration together. Like we're constantly you know, pumping out different show ideas. He He's a mastermind with producing and everything like that. He's, he has it all um, just, oh, he's, he goes a mile a minute. It's insane to keep up. But anyways, 
that's kind of the journey. And then, yeah, I have another trio. I, I met my trio uh, of ladies back in the day. Like we've been friends for about five years, but in the last two years, we started writing and becoming a troupe and doing festivals. They're called Low Rise Queens, which you. So, like, how do you? How does Low Rise Queens decide? Hey, let's work together for a little while. Well, we're all best friends, and I'm sure you have this too. When you are best friends with comedians, you are like we got to work together. We're best friends and we're all comedians. We got to do this. And so that's pretty much what like we hummed and hawed about it for years. Like we would make each other laugh so hard when we're together. Uh, Like, Oh, we should write comedy together. Oh, we should do sketch together. Um, And then it just like for years, it was kind of just that same conversation and never went anywhere. And then finally we're like, what the hell are we doing? (laughs) We got to do this. We got to become this trio. We got to, you know, like we got to at least try, like who cares if it's once a month or once a year that we perform together. We have such a blast writing together and and performing with each other that we need to, um, we need to, we need to hunker down and do it. So we've been doing festivals and performing for the last two, two, three years. This is our third festival. So, okay. So you have a solo project. You have uh, Tom and Erica yeah, and low rise queens, and then Skechersons, yeah. which is a lot to jump, like a lot of juggle in my head. Like it just it feels overwhelming a little bit. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely so, a bigger chunk out of solo. So yeah, no, it's hard. Um, where like, and I'm always curious about people that do multiple projects like that. Like, where does like the decision making process of like what idea goes to what? Yeah, it is quite different. Um, I well because there's so many ideas and premises and sketches and everything that I write in a week for Sunday Night Live that I've I've been lucky enough that some of the characters translate to me doing solo and like I'm able to cut out some of those characters and just have this one voice throughout or have like a voiceover or some like technical help to make that sketch make sense as an individual um, sketch and then Low Rise Queens is a very different beast for me. Because it is such a different voice from Skechersons. It's such a different voice from Tom and Erica. Like we are very, uh, like just a a different brand. So I can't do my cheat. Like I can't have my regular cheating uh, method of just going back through the years of sketches that I've written and try and make it work for the three girls. (laughs) Because like we are an off-brand, off-beat sort of uh, voice I've discovered. And it's it's very zany. It's very fun. Like I, I love... That's why I love doing shows with these people, but it is hard to put on that hat when it comes to writing for them. Um, Tom and Erica, we we read each other's minds, Tom and I. Like we definitely have become this one giant blob of sketch monster who can like finish each other's blow lines and premises just by like riffing for a couple minutes. So that became kind of second nature. Uh, but now that we're taking a step back from doing like just it, like strictly duo stuff. It's, uh, yeah, it's still, we're all about high energy, him and I, and I, and so like, it was easier to kind of pitch and throw things at a wall because it was all like in your face sort of stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, it's been, <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot going on. I never actually really realized what I do for, to write for the <laughs> project. I'm like, oh my God, what the, what, I'm crazy for doing all this stuff. <laughs> 
uh, tell me a little bit about the Skechersons and Sunday Night Live. Like, is that a live show every week of the year? Yeah, every Sunday. Every single Sunday, we have an hour-long sketch show. Uh, we get a celebrity, Canadian or otherwise, that whoever's visiting, uh, and they have a comedy background. Um, we'll try and get them to host the show. And um, we have a live band. We have a live, awesome band called The Hazard Pay. They play for us every Sunday in the front row. And we have this awesome host who comes on picks five, four sketches, four or five sketches, and they play with us. And then we have cast sketches that go throughout. We have a news update. We have a weekend news update sort of thing um, in the middle of the show. And that's every fucking Sunday. <laughs> and I've been doing that for and three years. Every show is new material? Yeah, every show is different. Oh, my gosh. That's entirely too much work. That's the best. <laughs> So, all right. So, what's the process within the week of Sunday Night Live? Then, like, um, so we get to we have a uh, we have a show on Sunday, um, and then we have a day to Monday to you know just do our shit, be away from Skechersons and that whole headspace. Tuesday, we get an email from our head writer, uh, giving us a breakdown of who the host is this week. Uh, they usually say like, "Great show on Sunday. Let's try and uh, get to the premise faster. <laughs> like, give us a little uh, note on on what we could do better for the next week." Um, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes it goes like that. And then, um, we have a pitch meeting on Thursdays. So we have, you know, Monday to Thursday to write our sketches for the week. Thursday night at 6 PM, we meet at comedy bar. We have a writer's room style circle and we pitch, we pitch everything we've written for that week for about two hours. The host sometimes comes, the host that of that week sometimes comes and reads their sketches with us. Uh, sometimes they can't make it, and so we read for the, uh, the host sketches ourselves. And then we have until Saturday to find out the casting breakdown. The, uh, the head writer will send out a casting breakdown of what got into the show that week, what the host selected to be their sketches, which isn't always all of them. Like They definitely pick and choose what, uh, what ones they want to do. Um, out of the, like, you know, depending on who's in the cast that week, like 18 sketches sometimes, like it's a lot. So they can only pick four or five. Um, and then throughout the show, like, yeah, the show basically looks like there's 15 sketches, sometimes less, sometimes more if it's blackouts involved. Um, about a, a show comprised of like, yes, 15 sketches. There's a news in between. There's a host monologue we have to plan for. And that's the fucking show. So it's and we get together on Sunday at one p.m. rehearse the whole day and then we go live on nine thirty. So it's the basic schedule of Saturday Night Live, just every week of the year. Yeah, and even more compressed. Yeah, time wise and rehearsal wise than Saturday Night Live is. We, like we also have all our, our own regular jobs too. <laughs> that's that's like, my gosh! Like oh my goodness! It's a commitment. That's, that's a lot. But you learn so much from it. Um, yeah, if you are someone who is like so interested in getting your writing to a better place and you know, want to work on your acting and your performing as a sketch comedian, like this is the only school you'll need is going like joining the Skechersons. It's been, yeah, it's definitely like been the craziest experience. Like, and different head writers have different styles over the years. Like, we've definitely had different styled shows happening ever like you know depending on who's in control that week um I'm sure yeah as as you could probably assume as as saturday night live has proven as well like you definitely can tell the style of the show has shifted when someone else has creative control 
Um, but yeah, it, it's such a good learning experience. And like, we're all, we all have our like hands in or uh, the same com- comedy and television, uh, whatever here in Canada, like we all have our hands in that pot. So some of us do make it out of there. <laughs> like we've had Skechersen alumni go on to Second City main stage, obviously. A, lo- a lot of us have, that's kind of our, our where our sights are set. Um, some of us have had our own show, Tim Blair. He's a tall boys to men guy. He was, uh, he joined the same year as me. And yeah, we've had a lot of successful Skechersons. Like there's people who write for This Hour is 22 Minutes right now that are away. They come back and do the show with us. Uh, Baroness Von Sketch Show writers uh, that have come out of Skechersons as well. It's been, yeah, it's been an awesome, awesome opportunity that's just been here in the city for 15 years. Like it's been a flagship show for so long that uh, when we have auditions and it's time for people to come out again, people are excited. Like it's it's something that everyone kind of wants especially if this is your shit is sketch comedy. Yeah. You mentioned that you and Tom had got at the same time. What's the process of, of like auditioning, applying for the show of the Skechersons? Like, so we, do you have to write a packet? Is it all audition based? Like there's a notice that goes out. It's spread around on, you know, all the social media platforms. You have a due date to get in two sketches, um, a sketch and a blackout or two full sketches. Um, and your headshot resume sort of basic audition shit and then if you're successful upon that first round you get invited to come audition um and then yeah so auditions are you have to have about five characters or yeah yeah five characters i suggest or two or two minutes long in length or whatever um I mean, like it was just, I don't even think it's outlined on the, on the notice to have five characters. I think that was just suggested to me from current members when I auditioned Mm. (laughs) that that was like what they did. Um, Cause that is a lot. You only have a couple minutes to, uh, to show your stuff and then they audition. And then the people who are successful from that audition process gets a second audition. We have an audition showcase. So we block off one of our regular Sundays and we have Sunday night live the audition show. So we have all oh. of the new potential cast members run a show. We have the head writer of our generation actually like guide the fucking show. It's not just like up to them. <laughs> like it's head written by one of us. But um but then yeah, the the newbies all put on like their show. Like they have the band, they have everything on that Sunday and then the cast, the rest of the cast uh gets blackout drunk and watches it. <laughs> and then uh, no we don't not all of us get blackout but most of us do and then we have a big discussion with the with the director with everything um that has you know founded sunday night live he comes in we have uh, a lot of the members that stick around alumni who stick out stick around and we have this meeting of who they you know who stuck out to them and then we talk about that discuss that for a week maybe two weeks and then we select our members send out the invites make it official and that's it. I I'm sitting here pretty wide eyed because that idea of an audition showcase, yeah, is super terrifying to me. It sounds. And you know what? The worst part about it was like, especially when I did it, was it was so fun. It was such an amazing experience. Is the the uh, the just like it's a sold out show for the show that it is. It should be sold out every week. Sometimes we, we, you know, we have a medium sized house, but most of the time we do pretty good for our crowds because it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a show that you got to see. So having that full house, having that full audience, having people laugh at your shit for that audition showcase was like amazing. And then 
you're off the stage and you're like, oh, this might not happen for me. <laughs> like this, yeah. this might not be like as much as I want to do this every single week, they might turn around and say, hey, that was a really amazing show that you did, but you, you're not successful or like this isn't whatever. So I was very lucky. I got in on the first audition show that I did. I auditioned twice, but they, I didn't get the audition showcase the first time I auditioned. Second time I auditioned, I made it through and then I got accepted. So I couldn't imagine the heartbreak that some of the people must feel when they come out on audition again after doing the showcase a couple of times, because that is rough. Oh, I, I I can imagine like the idea of like even putting what putting that show together with, you know, this whole group of people. And I'm sure you like, you know, there's people that know each other here and there from different other projects yeah. in the city and you're all aware of each other. But like you do this idea once and it's never going to happen again. Yeah. And, but you're all still, like trying to get this gig. Yeah, you all want everyone to get it. Like, and you, but you know, not everyone's going to get it because, like, because I mean, the, the from what I've seen on the the Skechersons websites and you know the, the show pages, like the cast is pretty large, and I assume partially that's to allow for a bit of flux. Like, yeah. hey, I can't do the show this week. I booked this. I booked that. Yeah. Um, but like, out of an audition showcase, how many are going to get into? Like, how many people got the got into the troop we usually, from your audition showcase when we when we hold auditions we're usually looking for six people okay yeah and then the audition showcase is going to be how many people performing yeah no like i mean like totally like more it's more it's more than six that audition sure like yeah oh, oh that's so much like i know oh goodness i know <laughs> Um, we're starting to so now where we invite people to come write with us who we've noticed in the community and, and individually at, invite them to come write with us for a week instead of doing the big audition. And if, oh, okay. yeah, and then, and then especially cause we're trying to, and this is a huge thing that's important to us as a troop. We need representation. Like we, yeah. we have, like, we are obviously a very, a very white loud cast. So POC is so important to us. We need like we and those voices though that come in and are so amazing that come in work with us. They get snatched up by all these bigger, <laughs> bigger corporations like Second City and like other opportunities. Like you know they're they're high in demand, awesome performers first and foremost. And yeah, and so it's just like it's hard for us to like like keep keep that the the look that we like not just about the look obviously obviously that sounds awful but it is about like it is so important to us that everyone feels comfortable to come in to a show and feel like they see their, themselves on stage and see like there's like a relatability so yeah we've uh, we've definitely instead of having the big crazy audition show we've just you know are constantly scouting throughout the community, tossing around names to each other, saying like, hey, we should invite this person to come right with us for a week and see how they fit, um, which I think is smart of us too. Yeah, to, mm. you know, keep practicing that. Are there any people like on the schedule sins that are purely writers versus purely actors? Like Everyone does both. Everyone does both, okay. Yeah. Oh, geez. Mm -hmm. It's just every week of the year. Like, that's just... Yeah. Ugh, there's so much. There's a few Sundays that we take off. We took off the Oscar Sunday. Okay. And we, and we do have a Sunday off in, during Christmas. Okay, so we're down to four, 49 weeks a year. Like, <laughs> it's still so much. I know. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, as we go, as we get close to Toronto Sketch Fest, like, you're performing as Low Rise, as Low Rise yeah. Queens yeah. and Solo. And Sketch Fest. What? 
And sketches. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, what can people expect from each of those individual shows? Well, actually, Skechersons isn't technically a part of the festival this year. Right, they right. They didn't invite us, so we just have our regular Sunday show. So, you know, and we talked enough about that, so you don't need to worry about it. Um, Little Rice <laughs> Queens. Little Rice Queens. Um, what can you expect from our show? We are... Oh my gosh. It's I love a low rise queens show. I wish I'm jealous of the audience that gets to watch us <laughs> truly cuz like I think the interesting thing about our style of sketch is it's a little bit slower paced. We take our time because we love to be loose and improvise a lot. Um but it's entertaining because we're making each other like laugh essentially like we are sticking to our script we're sticking to the outline of what we have planned but you could tell from the audience point of view that we're having such a good time on stage that you can't help but also have a great time yourself um there's a lot of like zany sort of like wild stuff that we we put through the ringer to make it where where it is today i'm really excited to put it up on stage on uh, thursday the 5th and what else what else yeah, Thursday the 5th and um, Thursday the 12th. Oh, two Thursday Low Rise Queens shows. Um, yeah, that's going to be, those are going to be good shows. We have uh, splitting the bills with some of our really good friends. So it'll just be a good show to come to all around. But yeah, Low Rise Queens. Oh, we have, we're very different in, like in voices. Like a lot of us bring different things to the table. But you could just tell that we have such a chemistry and such a like energy connection that, it's just, it's entertaining to watch. I'm, I love watching our films back. It's like, oh my God, how did we not break this whole time? Like, it's just crazy. And your solo work? And my solo work. Solo, uh, I feel so weird trying to sell myself as a solo because it sounds so, I know I have to. I know it's the choice I made and I, like, I will, <laughs> I will do it. But um, what you can expect from me is... Well, listen, I watched myself. I did my first ever half hour solo set uh, for Lady Fest in Montreal this year, and I had it filmed. And um, and I was dreading watching it back, as a lot of us probably are, hearing our own voice on camera, hearing our own voice on anything. It kind of always makes us all cringe. Um, but I watched this tape back, and I was... Like, I didn't know uh, what I was doing. I didn't know, like, I mean, obviously, I know the characters. I know the jokes that I've written are very funny, are very good. Like, I'm, like, very excited about the characters I've come up with and honed over the years that I have now put into a half-hour solo set. But watching my stage presence and the things that, the little, like, um, nuanced things that I throw into my solo set is unique and, and very, like, I don't know, I'm... I, I have a I have a way. I have a way of just <laughs> I have a, this sounds so weird. I hate doing this. But it's um I was very like it's I uh, I grab you. I grab an audience. I'm I'm taking you on a high energy, high octane ride. And uh yeah, hopefully I think there's I try and make a character set where there's at least one character that definitely hits home for one person in the room. Maybe not everything's gonna hit with you. But at l there's definitely going to be at least one for everyone uh, that they uh, that they want to quote and that they want to like hang out with. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, so um, as we as we're winding down, I always ask the same two questions to close out. So okay. you know, no surprise with nothing crazy, but a little deeper maybe. Uh, what's a piece of advice that you'd give to someone that's new to writing and performing comedy? Um, this yeah, I guess sounds cliche, but I don't care. 
do it. Just, <laughs> it's a Nike slogan. Just do it. Um, you need to like get a little bit of that, um, the motivation. You might not feel ready. You might not ever feel ready to put your shit on stage, but just find as many opportunities as you can to do that. If you, if you want to get better, if you want to improve, make yourself opportunities, ask for help. Oh my God, ask for help. If I could go back in time and like tell little starting out comedian Erica, uh, any advice, it would be, it's not a shameful thing to like hit up someone over Facebook messenger or email or whatever platform or hang around after someone else's show and talk to them, ask them about how, what you could do to get on their show or uh, ask them to go for coffee or a drink with you to punch up your sketch. Like everyone who ends up helping you along this, like when you're starting out, will want to see you succeed. They'll want to see you like really, you know, find your own. And it helps when you know that, like it helps going forward, knowing that there's people that have helped you or you've looked up to in the past that like are, are showing up for you now. Um, yeah, asking, asking for favors, asking for help, not being afraid of collaborating with people that you're too intimidated by to ever ask to collaborate with. Who cares? Ask them. Um, and then, yeah, just make your own opportunities because you can't wait for that phone to ring. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Um, and then finally, uh, why comedy? Why is comedy like such, such a huge part of your life? Like performing, writing, doing a weekly show, a trio, a duo, single, like solo stuff. Like all of it. Um, why, why comedy? Why? Well, this is, <laughs> this is like, I'm talking to my therapist now. It is truly the, one of the major things in my life that gives it meaning. Uh, I'm so happy when I'm writing with, I think, like-minded and funny people. I'm so happy on stage with people that I trust and and love and make me laugh that it makes me want to be a better performer and it makes me want to do this for the rest of my life. Like, comedy to me is just, it's going to be something that I'll never want to retire from. Like, it's, I'll I'll wait. I'll go through the trenches. I'll absolutely uh, wait in line to get any sort of break. I I don't deserve anything, uh, uh, like, just, just yet. But, um, but I, I, I'm, I'm not complaining. I love it here. I love the industry and you know, it's, it's going to be hard, but I freaking love it. Great. Yeah. Sounds awesome. Yay. Great. Thanks, Erica. Thank you, Josh. Right. It's Josh, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If you're in Toronto, you'll be able to see Erica a number of times over the next couple weeks. During Toronto Sketchfest, Low Rise Queens will be performing on both Thursdays, March 5th and 12th at Comedy Bar. And Erica will be performing her solo act on Friday, March 6th and Wednesday, March 11th. Check out TOSketchfest.com for tickets and more information on those shows. In addition, Sunday Night Live with the Skechersons will be happening as it normally does on Sundays at Comedy Bar. Check out comedybar.ca for more on that show. My First Sketch is a Philly Sketch Fest production. You can find out more information at Philly Sketch Fest. Follow Philly Sketch Fest on Instagram at Philly Sketch Fest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like My First Sketch on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy.